0: Hey guys, this is Cam with Freebird. I'm so excited to bring you this podcast today. I'm also a little nervous. This is a special one as I will be taking backseat as my very good friend Laura Garcia will be interviewing me, and I would not want anyone else to be doing this. I am so excited to share her with you and have her dive into this journey of Freebird and a little bit about me. So I know without further ado, I introduce my very, very good friend, Miss Laura Garcia.
1: Thank you so much, Kim. Hi, everyone. It's such an honor to be here today. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Laura Garcia. I am a freebird, a fellow freebird, and I'm also a makeup artist, a microblading artist, and I own a brand called La Dida Beauty. Um, it's such an honor to be here with Cameron today. I've gotten to know her over these last few months, and I'm so, so excited to share this podcast with you guys so that we have the opportunity to get to know her on a deeper level. We all hear her every week interviewing other people, and I know, just like you, I've had so many questions for her, so I'm excited to get to sit in the driver's seat today and ask her these questions. So I encourage you guys to follow along, um, and if there's any questions that we missed as we go through the podcast, please don't hesitate to drop a comment. Either on Instagram or Facebook. And um, who knows, maybe we'll do part two of this podcast. Oh,
0: goodness. (laughs) But without further ado,
1: let me introduce Cameron Bannister, founder and CEO of Freebird and traveling hairstylist to Dallas, LA, and New York City. For the last 11 years, Cameron has immersed herself in the beauty industry coast to coast and has fallen madly in love with it. This passion led her on a journey to help other beauty pros have more opportunities to discover and share their unique set of skills with the world. And so through Freebird, Cameron and her team have created the ultimate beauty growth platform. And today today we dive into the mind of the dreamer who brought Freebird to life. Hi guys, it's me. (laughs) Thank you so much, Cameron, again for this opportunity. I'm so excited. Let's just dive right in. Let's do it, girl. So first and foremost, I would love to just hear about how you got involved with the beauty industry in the first place. Is it something that you knew from a young age you wanted to do or how did that how did that start for you?
0: You know, that's always a really interesting question. I fell into the beauty industry, so... Um, I always have had my hands in hair and been doing makeup and all of these things as a just a really fun thing to do. I have nieces and I just adored playing with them and to make the hair look beautiful was simply just divine for me. So uh, working my way through high school and graduating at a young age, I graduated at 16 from high school. So I was already enrolled. Not really an overachiever at all. Right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, girl, you know, I can't help myself. No. So I was just like, well, what can i do and i really knew i wanted to help people so i put myself on the nurse trajectory and was Mm -hmm. enrolled in nursing program and everything like that and we actually moved to reno nevada uh 13 years ago. And oh, wow, what yeah, a small world. Uh huh, we did. And we moved up here and lived here for a very short period of time, being young. Derek and I were together. We lived together. Uh, we moved up here, and it just wasn't for me at the time. It and how just, old were you at that time? We were 16. We left, and I, <gasps> yeah, I've lived on my own since I was 16 years old. Mm-hmm. And where were you moving from? In Northern California. So, right in between Chico and Redding, California, is where I was raised. And that's where I started my hair career in this very, very small town. But before I even knew that was where my career was going to head, I was in nursing. And I just wanted to help people. That's what I knew. And it was right around the time of the recession. And there was a lot of you know volatile career choices. And it was very important that whatever you were choosing, that it was stable and that you could count on it. So the beauty industry was not on my radar, not even mm-hmm. in the slightest. And um, we're in Reno. We're enjoying it. But then all of a sudden, I'm just kind of homesick. I think being young and you know really not necessarily ready to be on my own that far from my my mom my other sisters you know things like that we moved back to northern california and i was like shoot i'm in between semesters at the college so what am i going to do and my mom actually went to beauty school um to be a manicurist and so i was like you know what i've always done hair i've you know i'm good at it first whatever i know i'll just go to beauty school and work my way through nursing and lo and behold 11 years later I never made the switch to nursing Mm. and doing hair was simply like breathing to me. And um, then quickly I found out I do not have the stomach nor the patience of our kind nurses out there. Thank you, nurses. I have a heart for you more than you know, but I don't have the stomach Mm. to manage what they do. So I've seen some things in hair that I'm like, how did I even handle that? (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, that's how I got started into the beauty industry. Wow. So
1: what was it like in... California. Mm -hmm. You just moved back from Reno and now you're going to college for nursing, but also going to beauty school at the same time. What was that like
0: for you? Well, so when I left Nevada, I stopped going to traditional school and I went straight to trade because there was just no way for me to transfer over. It was Mm -hmm. in between. And then, um, you know, I was like, well, 10 month program. That's not too bad. That won't throw me off too much of my, you know, four year trajectory. And I can still work my way through. So I rationalize. Oh, it's fine. 10 months is not a big deal. And lo and behold,
1: that's so funny. I feel like how yeah. that's so common. How many times we think, OK, we're just going to take a break and do this for, you know, six months or a year. And then it ends up changing our whole trajectory of our oh. life.
0: Yeah, you're 100% right. I mean, I could have never imagined that I'd be a hairstylist, but you I know. did everyone's hair for prom. I've been cutting hair since eighth grade. I mean, I remember girls on my softball team in the bathroom on our tournaments being like, Cameron, I have scissors. We And like, we're talking kitchen scissors. We're not talking awesome. hair, scissors. But <laughs> so yes, I've been doing hair a very long time. So
1: how old were you when you graduated from cosmetology school? I was 17 and a half. Wow. And Derek with you by your side this whole time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And Derek
0: and I are only a month apart. So um, anytime you hear my age, you might as well just group him right in with me because we are only a month apart.
1: Now, I'm sure all the free birds listening would love to know a little bit more about your love story with Derek. How did you guys originally meet? And at what point did you know you'd be spending the rest of your lives together? Oh, my goodness. This is interesting.
0: Um, you weren't
1: oh. expecting this one. Huh? No. <laughs>
0: I'm going to get a little giddy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to get a little giddy. You're going to see me geek out real hard on my beautiful spouse now. Okay. So Derek and I have been together since we were 15 years old. Um, We met by chance. My best friend since sixth grade, um, her boyfriend and now husband since seventh grade. Um, The three of us were like the three amigos. We were together always and so forth. Fast forward to sophomore year of high school and Nathan, Amanda's, uh, husband says Cam you should meet my cousin and I'm like whatever like screw your cousin Nathan like you know no Nathan and (laughs) you didn't want to be set up (laughs) I'm like he's like my brother Nathan you know so it's like whatever Nathan no well so one night we're we're um actually at youth group and Derek and Nathan walk in and (laughs) I see Derek and I'm just smitten I'm like who's this dude like Mm -hmm. he had this blue shirt on this gorgeous black hair and these royal blue eyes and I was just smitten instantly when I saw him and I call Amanda because she had just left I was like you need to find out who the cousin is like who's the cousin let's go and so she's like oh my gosh who's this dude I haven't even met him we didn't see him for weeks weeks and it well maybe it was only a couple days but high school but it felt like yeah yeah girl (laughs) I mean this is my love of my life where is he and um, so fast forward, he started to come around. And one day he walked out and I had just left my AP English class. And we listened to this beautiful song by Metallica. And I was tripping out on the ly- the lyrics because it was um, one which is trapped in your body and trapped in your mind. And it definitely just made me have some empathy for people who have lost the ability to communicate on any form like This gentleman in the song, it references that in war, he lost his ability to have his limbs and his, you know, so it's this very um, deep and morbid song, if you will. But I was entranced with it and I walk out and I'm just thinking about it and I just like want to talk to someone about it. Well, Derek's around and he's just sitting there and I was like, oh my gosh, this dude's here. You know, and I'm like super, super, super excited. But I don't know how to handle myself. So how do you go to someone that you <laughs> have
1: maybe know. met once and you're like, let's talk about this super deep song. Dude, and here's
0: what's <laughs> even worse about this is like, so we're of course in high school days, like in this group of people, Derek's all slumped over. And like, I used to, oh my gosh, you guys, it's so embarrassing. But so Derek used to always have this look on his face that he was like angry, like his sour puss face. And he never was, he's the kindest human alive, but he constantly, <laughs> keep happy right now um he constantly had this look on his face so just out of a joke I would grab his face and I'd go oh serious face and then fishy face and I'd squeeze his face to look like a fish and oh man he must have really liked you to let you do that it (laughs) was so funny every time I did it, I wouldn't do it hard right but I'd be like and then smiley face as soon as I let go of the hand and he would just relax because he's very much a, a reserved person and we all know how I am so anyways he was sitting there and I was just so incredibly excited, but he was very, like, very reserved. And I couldn't, he didn't look like he wanted to talk. Let's put it that way, right? So he's sitting there and I'm like, okay, I'm going to just not talk to him. It's fine. And so I'm telling my friends about this song. And he pulls his headphone out and he says, I'm listening to that song right now. And I'm like, no, you're not. And he goes, no yes, I am. It's one by Metallica. And I was like, it, so, okay. Can yeah. we set the stage? Is yeah. this when iPods
1: actually existed? Yes. Yes. This is it. This <laughs> is
0: legit. MP3 players, iPod. <laughs> let's, let's take it back. Oh gosh. I got called a boomer the other day by my nephew after we were doing our last podcast. You are not a boomer. My nephew. And so he's all antsy, you know, you're a boomer. And I'm like, damn it! Like you're I, not. <laughs> you're not a boomer. I'll accept it. I don't care. I think it's a fun name. But, you know, that's the thing is, no, it was. MP3 player, iPod, like, legitimately, not even iPhones were out But this yet. is
1: before it was hooked to the internet, so you probably yeah. couldn't download a song instantaneously. No. So there's
0: no way he could have downloaded
1: that no. song while you're talking to somebody else. No. I mean, it was definitely authentically on Razor his flip iPod. Razor flip
0: clones were still around, like the sidekicks. Oh you remember the sidekicks <laughs> and the blackberries and oh yeah, yeah, no. iPhones weren't even like like a thing yet and um so yes it is very strange that he had that song that's on that's awesome and so yeah fast forward we we start talking and um i would say within about 3 months of us like hanging out often we just knew that we were going to be together for the rest of our lives like it was pretty simple we kind of just we actually asked each other this recently cuz we're like when did you know like it just never was a question again for either of us and he's like you know it just it, once we knew it, we just knew because we went through our ups and downs in the early part of our relationship. Like, we separated for three months after we started dating because it was like, ah, oh, you know, the young mm-hmm. not around each other. So, um, but 14 years later, here we are.
1: Oh, I love that. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that with oh, us. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm picturing 16, 17 year old Cameron and Derek. Mm-hmm. Cameron's just graduated cosmos school mm-hmm. so 17 and a half years old you mm-hmm. guys are on your own mm-hmm. tell me at that time and you know starting out in the beauty industry starting your own business yeah. what was that like what was if you had to pick one thing what was the hardest
0: thing to overcome at that age
1: and that point in your
0: career so i was up against a lot of challenges because um not only was i young um but i was also a young mom so after starting my career, just barely, I was pregnant with my daughter. So now I had my question of credibility up for, my credibility was always up for question. Who's this young girl? Oh, she's a young mom. You know, all of those stereotypes really seemed to follow that. So Mm -hmm. um, honestly, I think it just made me fight that much harder to be like, well, I certainly hope you don't let a stereotype, you know, make your decision for you with me based off that and not my outcome. Because I understand I might be young, but Wisdom doesn't, is not defined by a number, you know, and mm-hmm. creativity is not defined by an age or a number. So it was, it was a challenge. And I would say for me, overcoming um, fear of knowing that my skill set and not being what people expect was going to be okay in the industry because I was always scared I was doing something wrong, that I wasn't mm-hmm. doing it right like the other stylist or because I was young, maybe I didn't have enough credibility. So it was tricky.
1: And at that time, were you in your hometown? Mm-hmm. So did you feel like you were, you know, a lot of people already knew you,
0: already had their minds made up about you? Yeah. Yeah. And actually, um, you know, on a very personal note, and I don't mind saying this, but I didn't necessarily have the greatest experience in my hometown. I had a good experience, but I didn't have the greatest experience. So when I left, I didn't necessarily leave um, on all good terms. You know, there's definitely a point in my life I needed to go because um, I experienced something with a gentleman in that town that haunted me for a very long time.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: so I had to just go. And that's that was a lot of my driving force behind, um, you know, leaving early, graduating young. I definitely have always been a gypsy. And so when I had those extra uncomfortable things, like it had affected my high school life and things like that so it was just like wow this just doesn't look like I had hoped because I love people and I always wanted that fun experience but that just wasn't my experience and Mm -hmm. I certainly don't want to paint a negative picture for people with what it can be but for me it was not it was not this positive thing so going back I was concerned I wouldn't have a positive Mm -hmm. receiving to not that it wouldn't be I wouldn't be a good stylist or people wouldn't like it but I my own insecurities coming back not anything that anyone did because everyone was always the utmost kind to me but insecurities of my own it was a challenge well, and I love that you share this because I feel like that's real life. Yeah,
1: yeah. you know, and I think oh, that sometimes, yeah. mm-hmm, sometimes people are afraid to talk about that, or you know, it's it's we're we're so into that positive thinking or mm-hmm. positive manifestation or all of this, but that we almost forget that it's okay to talk about those yeah. things and that they are part of our story,
0: even though they don't define us. But yeah, no, I mean, it really was a big part of it because it was a small town,
1: mm-hmm. so I would
0: run into people who were associated with this gentleman, and it wasn't like I was a quiet person in the community. You know, I've been who I've been. In my entire life and um yeah it was very well known they were he was known of course it's a small area and um it was tricky because how do you redefine who you want to be as you are growing when your past haunts you with what happened a, mm-hmm. a situation right like why why would you want to go back there? So it was a challenge and it was scary, but I'm really grateful because um, I went into the salon and the cutting edge in Red of California. I love you, Debbie and Jill. <laughs> These women are truly talented. Some of the most incredibly talented professionals. And they took me under their wing. And um, I was a young mom. I was a young professional. And They really just gave me the space to grow and be, and they saw that I could do hair and they knew I was young, but they still took that risk on me because I've never apprenticed. And that was something that also was very um, concerning for me because I thought that would also call to question my credibility is Mm -hmm. what if I never apprenticed? Does that mean that I didn't do enough to do, you know? So it was always this, did I do enough to do what I'm doing? It was always this concern as now I've, of course, learned and educated myself on is imposter syndrome which we all deal with wow so if i had to sum up your first
1: years of Mm -hmm. the word that comes to my mind is courageous yeah man you really overcame a lot and you You just took on the world and you weren't afraid to go for it. So I really applaud that. That's so fun. It's fun doing this podcast because (laughs) these are things I've never
0: heard about you before. So a lot of people wouldn't, you know, unless Mm -hmm. you ask me specifically, it's kind of tricky to find these kind of things out. I appreciate you sharing it and being so
1: open. So, okay. So you're in Red Bluff, California. At what age do you leave Red Bluff and decide, okay, I'm going to go try another city because you've become a traveling hairstylist in Dallas, LA and New York mm-hmm. city. How did, how did you end up going from Red Bluff to these larger cities?
0: Yeah. So, um, let's see circa don't even remember now, but, um, I was in Red Bluff for about two years doing my hair career within six months. I had established a really great clientele, uh, word of mouth and just really perfecting. My skill was supported by wonderful people there. Um, my clients that, ironically, one of them I still do to this day. She Mm -hmm. found me when I moved back to the West Coast, and that was pretty cool. But, um, yeah. So in Red Bluff, and honestly, one day, and this is this truly will tell you the gypsy esque of the person you're talking to. We were driving to the lake to go meet my in-laws, and. Uh, I look at Derek and we had just bought our house and I was like, I wanna go. I wanna leave and he goes, Well, where do you wanna go? And he Right knows, after you bought a house. Oh yeah, year. Oh, a goodness. year. Within a year. We sold less than a year of owning. Like and what was crazy is remember this is recession. So this is not the prime time, especially in Northern California, to be selling a home. And so We're like, gosh, is this just the stupidest decision we've ever made? You know, (laughs) it wouldn't be the first, but is this the stupidest? So, um, but I just don't care. I don't, I, I follow my gut pretty hard. And so, Mm. um, I was like, I, yeah, I want to go. And he goes, well, where do you want to go? Man, he is so supportive. Oh, and At dude. that time, what was his career? What was he doing? Oh, gosh, I think working. Oh, no, no, no. At that point, he was um, he was in finance at that point at U.S. Bank. Because in our early part of our lives, we worked at fast food. We worked at McDonald's and Subway. So uh, we started there um, actually working. We've worked together almost our entire relationship. Because we started working I together at McDonald's, and you worked at Subway too. I my, not so, one of my first yeah. jobs was Porta Subs. So ooh yes, I was the manager at Subway. Well, key, not not manager. Come on now, key. <laughs> That's what we were. But I loved it love awesome yeah so uh we were there and um my sister had moved to dallas texas for her husband's job they relocated from reno to there and so i was like well shoot if we're gonna make this big of a move sell our house like and i thought let's fade it out right like let's put it up let's put the wheels in motion and see what happens well just so you would have it and as you can imagine with my type of lifestyle I text my realtor on our way home from the lake and our house sold in five days. And yeah, and it was the first house to make a commission off of um, or even to make any type of money off of the sale because of how bad the recession was. And so um, we bought at the perfect time. We sold at the perfect time. And it was just enough to cover our costs to make the move to Dallas, Texas. And what's even more crazy about this story than a lot of people know is so I was like, all right, cool, let's go. Well, then my realtor called and was like, yeah, we have six weeks like you guys got to go in six weeks. And I'm like, wait a minute. I don't have a job there. Like, you know, I thought it'd be six months, the normal whatever. And sure enough, very, very long story short, my third grade teacher was in the salon at that moment as I am telling my client or coworker or something. And she says, Cameron. My aunt lives in Dallas, Texas and has a little hair studio that you should go check out and see if you can work there. And I'm like, well, why not? Right. Like perfect. I'm going to call. So sure enough, I call her and I'm like, hey, by chance, I'm coming out to lock down an apartment. Can I meet you? And she's like, yeah. And so I was hired on the spot, got the apartment and had never left Northern California. So this large city was like, whoa, (laughs) like Whoa! No. And how many yeah. babies did you have in tow at that point? Oh, two. My two babies. my babes have been with me since I was 18 and 19. I've never wow. never not had them. So how old were they at this? Ooh, age? they were two and three, or three and four. Three oh, and my four. Goodness, mm-hmm. that is not an easy age, no, girl. No, no, no. They the Bannister brats are very much gypsy-esque, like their mama and daddy. So we end up there. Actually, what's even more funny about this story is that's the first job I ever got fired from. <laughs> she told. <laughs> I swear to God. I love she, the raw honesty in I this swear. podcast. And then you know what she said to me, and which is hilarious now? She goes, so I think you just need to work for yourself. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I know. I just, I, out of 11 years, nine of them have been independent. I have, and the two that were commission, I. Mm-hmm. You're just eh. not wired that way. I'm not. I will work harder okay. than anyone can ask me. And I know that. And so it's like, just let me do what I'm going to do. And I promise you, you'll be happy with the outcome. But so I get to Dallas, I get fired from that job, and I saw this twinkling light salon, right? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it was magic. It was right by my apartment, and that's gold in the city to just be as close as you can be. It was walking distance. Like, wow. it was gold. And so I'm like, oh, my gosh, and look how beautiful it is. I love it. And I walk in. I'm entranced trance because this salon is absolutely incredible. It's massive, too. 45 stylists. What's like, it called? I am not going to name oh, it okay. because this is my growth opportunity in my career, But I do love and appreciate this owner, even though she has helped me understand what it is to go through a... Uh, abusive relationship and oh, boundaries uh, that's Dead serious. word that comes to mind. <laughs> uh, well, let's just put it this way. Our first conversation when I asked to work two more hours was who the fuck do you think you are dead serious? No exaggeration. No anything. Wait, wait, wait. So slow uh-huh. down. Uh-huh. So y- you have a con- you start working there and I have clients asking for me to have more time. So mm-hmm. to paint you a picture of how this ran and it was brilliant in one sense, but it was a little, you know, off in the other. But we would work nine to shifts, nine to four, four to 10 p.m. Okay. okay. Split shifting as a totally. salon owner. That makes sense. It makes You're managing sense. your resources. Wonderful. 100%. But I didn't share a chair because we didn't have anyone. And I understand the whole concept of if I had hours, we run into the problem of the potential of another. I get mm-hmm. it. I get it. I get mm-hmm. it. But I was also having a demand of clients who wanted this time. And I'm like,
1: and yeah, I'm commissioned. Mm-hmm. So
0: it's like, I thought there was no question of asking this. you right. Like. Mm-hmm. I didn't think she could ask me it. Right.
1: So you're there, you're working like a split shift, six hour shift. You can't fit in clients. So you go to your owner and you say, Hey, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. My books are so full. Could I possibly get two more hours on my shift? On one day. One day. On one day. One day
0: no and, okay oh no no oh dead serious oh this she is she my... flat out said that to you okay so what's funny is everyone listening to this who knows where i've worked yeah it's gonna be like oh honey preach it like i'm telling you we all have ptsd because of this place there are so many of mm-hmm. us who have done mass exodus from this place that it's legitimate And the worst part is i do believe this owner has the potential to be the, one of the kindest people i think it comes across wrong and the industry is hard so as I say this, I also cautiously say that I do think she's a good person. And I learned a lot from her, whether it was right, right wrong, or indifferent. Right. Well, but, and you can yeah. be a good person and not be a good leader. Leadership's not for everyone. Well, and who knows life? Like, I was new. I'm a new stylist. I don't know her. Like, you know, the, when you really paint it down. But it, uh, but the truths have to come out in that because I grew so much during mm-hmm. this opportunity. I sat there six months with no one speaking to me. Like, Ugh legit and they even told me to my face they're like if you make it past six months we'll start talking to you but nobody makes it and i'm like oh well that's intimidating and so i'm thinking this is my impression to what city salon life is like so this is my first introduction to working in a big city as one of the top five salons in the city that is doing bentley fashion shows and all of these different things and i'm thinking this is the culture that is the salon world so now i'm having to really gut check myself because i'm like is this what I signed up for? Like, what do I love about mm-hmm. this industry to be treated this way? Like I come mm-hmm. in, I went, came into work one day. Okay. Granted it was casual. Cause I was solid black. Right. Like for those of you who see me, like I typically dress up quite often, but this is down dressing compared to what I was expected. Like, so it's this, and they told me when I walked in one day, I was in all black. So fair in a salon, right. T- everything looked fine. Everything was clean. I was clean. And they said, we like you too much for you to wear that. And I had to leave and go put on a more (sighs) appropriate attire. Mm -hmm. And I worked there for a year and a half. And finally, I got to a point where actually what happened was is the most incredible Lisa Robertson and I will 100% always sing her praises because this human is by far one of the best humans I've ever met. I've never met anyone who give people more second chances. I've never met anyone be less um, critical, judgmental. She put up with that owner for 15 years. And she, uh, was, she was a fellow stylist. She was a manager. A she manager. was our manager. Mm-hmm. And I fell so in love with her and appreciated how she approached humans that as long as she was there, I would put up with the other because maybe we just didn't get along and that's fine, right? Mm-hmm. But Lisa, girl, like, I'm telling you. So then Lisa just had it out and, you know, she's like, I'm done, it's time for a change and so forth. And she left. I left the next day. There was just no question. I, oh, wow. I could not do it without Lisa. Well, on Lisa. behalf
1: of all the other commissioned salon owners out there let me just apologize not. to yeah. you because that is not what that's right it should be like and um and it's that's so not sad because i feel like you're you know that that's just a, a huge example of someone who has a really bad experience with one certain yeah. business model and then you know agree it's easy to be like okay commission's Agreed. not for me i'm only meant to be independent when in reality maybe you just had this horrible oh, I did. experience oh i did Ugh, oh and i actually so am so
0: grateful that And I'm so glad you bring that up because that's something I always want to make sure with, you know, there's no war between booth renter and commission. It's your lifestyle and, you know, what you feel you can manage because you're a business, you know, and Mm -hmm. how much of your business do you want to take care of And But for me, right, if we reflect at where I'm at. We think of my career at this point in time. I'm less than five years into the game at this point, right? And less than five years into the game, coming from a small town of less than 14,000 people to the fourth largest metroplex, this is how... I've been fired from my first job, and now I'm in a salon that is treating me like garbage. And Mm -hmm. I don't know what to do. And then I'm being told that... And this is not commission. This is personality. This is not... you know, Or this is a choice of leadership approach. This is not commission. So... That was just the fact of how I worked there. But, um, you know, this is what I'm experiencing as a beauty professional of. Mm-hmm. So if I want to work in this caliber, this is what I have to put up with. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm being told, OK, you have you know, if you leave here, you're nothing. They only come because of the salon. That's what I was told for a year and a half. You, oh. They do not come here because of you. This is breaking my heart. you Oh, guys. dead serious. And so I left finally after the courage, you know, like, OK, to be sued, all of these things, because I just couldn't handle it anymore. Like Derek looked at me and he's like, honey, you're coming home every day at three and just not here. Like, and that's just not me as a person. And so, um, I had to make a choice. So I left and I went and I kind of went on a hiatus for a year, went into my own little suite, Mm -hmm. did that whole mental recovery mode and re you know, and just ask myself, what do I want out of this industry and what do I love? And, um, I love my clients. And so it relit my fire, got me excited again. I found another salon in Dallas that was just absolutely superb. And they were only a commission salon. And why that's such a big deal for me and in Dallas is um, a lot of the times in the larger cities, they want you to compartmentalize. And I just couldn't give up both i couldn't give what up. what do you mean give up both so um it, a lot of, i'm not saying all because some don't do this but they compartmentalize to where you do color and cutting mm. you can't do both and so that was another issue i had with commission in my area because it was like oh man I, you know i want to finish my client i want to do the full process i want to see you know even though i am a colorist at heart i want to i want to see it when it's done type thing so Found another one was booth renting there, um, and he's had it split to where the bottom was commission, and then he did this like multi million dollar um, renovation up on top, and it was absolutely beautiful. And so moved over there after my little sweet hiatus, and that's how I rounded out my five hundred clientele in Dallas. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I know. What a little a rocky, rocky road to get there, but yeah. 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 yeah.
1: And what was it about? I think um, the craft or the industry that kind of kept you going. You know, I know you said it was your clients, but really if you had to like hone in on what p- one part, like, did you have, was it the relationships with your clients? Was it the, the craft, the, the artistry, what, you know, on those hard days in the salon, cause I'm sure like everyone listening, we've all had them. Sure. What was it that pulled you through that didn't, you know, because you could have very easily said, you know what, doing hair is not for me. I want to yeah. go back and go to nursing or go into yeah. a different field. Um, what was
0: it that kept, kept you in our industry? You know, that um, that has been a question I've been reflecting a lot lately, as um, I have recently had to shift my career and focus and redefine my why. And so I can answer that with a little bit more clarity. And it is the people. I love to help people. And um, at that point, I was able to communicate who I was most efficiently behind the chair. So. Mm. Um, hair was natural to me. I loved making people feel beautiful. And I was able to do that in a way that was, um, authentic to who I am, but also being a person that allowed them to be them, their authentic self as they sat in a chair maybe that was their only two hours that they got to themselves. It was imperative to me that they felt heard and loved. And when they left me that their outcome was, um, just everything that they could hope for. And if it wasn't, they didn't leave without me fixing it. Like, I'm serious. It's just the thing I I cannot handle. If I didn't do it, I didn't do a good enough job. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's the people. I love people. And then I learned that that started to expand a little bit. And pros started, you know, once my traveling started. Um, because I'm, I'm just doing what I love. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't see why anyone wants to do what I do. Besides, th- they like maybe something I do. But... Meaning I never thought of myself as a mentor in the industry because I was just doing what I loved with the clients I loved. And then I started getting asked questions and teaching and how to, you know, do it, have an assistant, but I never wanted to go down the route of an educator. I Mm -hmm. never wanted to be that person. So um, when I started ask, being asked like, Hey, Cam, can you help me formulate this? Or, Hey, you know, I was really complex and confused on why would anyone want to know what I would do? And really? was, I'm serious. Yeah. Aww. Cause it's just the, it, I love what I do, but I don't write down formulas. I don't, it's a very in the moment thing for me. So, mm-hmm. um, it, you've even heard me joke on the podcast, like I like being right where I am. So it's like, in this moment, I won't listen back to this podcast. Like, it just won't happen. And because I'm here right now and I'm living this, so I'm taking in every second. So Mm -hmm. I don't think, you know what I mean? So I don't write down things. Yeah, but when you say, I
1: wasn't, you know, what would anyone want to learn from me or why me? I just, I can't help but think like, you know, I just want to go over and give you a big hug at that (laughs) stage, you know, until you are worthy and people have a lot to learn from you. And, you know, I just... um.
0: Yeah. I'm going to tell you right now, I think that's why I fiercely fight for pros to find their voice now because, um, I, you know, I can't, I can't clearly lay out in the industry. Why, um, anyone would, I, I, I'm good at color. Sure. I love it. It's, it is like breathing to me. I am a color specialist. Sure. You know, but, um, for me, it's the overall experience. So how do you, how do you recreate that? Right? Like, So for me, it was how do I help people be more educated in who they are to live in their heart space in Mm -hmm. order to really bring their passion to life? Because that's what I have found throughout the 11 years is every time that I was living within my heart space and operating from a place of like me, right, and sharing myself from the deepest parts of me without concern, I always did better. And even in the moments of like chaos of color corrections or color going sideways or whatever, like when I was in that moment of just trusting my hands, I did better. And mm-hmm. it was, I learned then that, but that's what, all I knew for me. How do you, t- you know, so that was always my thing is like, when people would ask, I'm like, I I don't know. I don't know how to translate what I'm doing for you. And um, I had to learn. So that was a great growth opportunity for me to start teaching. And what I learned is the best way for me to teach people is just ask me questions. Mm-hmm. Ask me what you want to know, but, if I lead it, it definitely is – Um, I, I don't – that doesn't make sense to me. Just ask me what you want to know. I'll tell you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so at what point did you have your first assistant? Because I know you mentioned, yeah. okay, you felt, you
0: know, insecure about bringing yeah. an assistant, but that you actually brought one on. Yeah. So was that in Texas? or? Yeah, mm-hmm. Texas, and uh, not too long after I had established – Um, when I had moved over to my third location in Texas – Um, I needed an assistant. I was running three chairs by myself and it was just getting simply exhausting. And, um, you know, full disclosure, I'm very fast as a stylist. So, um, You guys can hear how fast I talk. I operate that way. Um, If I move slower than that, you need to get out of the chair. (laughs) You need to get out of the chair. I'm not in my zone if I'm not moving. But um, yeah, I was really scared because, you know, I look at apprenticeship and assistance as an opportunity to really help people have a good impression of the industry and help them in a way that makes sense. And how could I do that? You know, Mm -hmm. I hadn't done it yet. And there's no rule book or guidance or... For an independent artist to learn how to bring on an assistant and hence Freebird. I mean, there's so many components of my own career that I've just simply gone through alone that I wish I had what mm-hmm. we've created. And um, it was scary. So I had this first assistant. Fortunately, I saw another assistant in our salon was like, hey, know anyone, you know, had this yes. darling assistant. I fired her within a month. And oh. <laughs> sweet as pie but um, every time I needed her she was just never around Mm. and um, to be quite honest I got spoiled by this incredible human named Nicole and I hope you're listening right now Nicole because you have ruined all assistance from me from here out but Nicole could interpret my next thought and the best part of Nicole was Nicole was a seasoned stylist but she just didn't want to deal with clients so Mm. she wanted to assist hairstylists because she loved the salon environment but didn't want the responsibility of the customer service component. So uh, her, um, she was an assistant. I shared with another incredible stylist who made a huge impact on my career was Raymond Stark. And I believe he lives in Germany now, but um, he was this incredibly talented artist. And he's like, Cam, I work three days. He's like, you can have her the rest of the time. We'll split it. And, she stayed with me even when I went back and forth traveling for a little bit. So, oh, I yeah. love that. I've had so, four or five assistants. Yeah. So
1: at that, age, so how old are you at that at that stage, and how long had you been doing hair when you brought on your first assistant?
0: Ooh, yeah, that goes back to the young, uh, twenty three. Twenty four, twenty two, twenty three, twenty two, twenty three. Mm-hmm.
1: You're in Dallas. Mm-hmm. So uh, tell
0: us about how do you end up going from Dallas to L.A. and then to New York City? Oh, gosh, that's that's definitely a fun story. Um, OK, so in Dallas, I'm now at my third location. My clientele is going really well. My husband works at UT Southwestern and he's doing incredibly well. Um, what we, was he doing there? So he actually ran the radiology, uh, the education department. So I always say this wrong because there's so many letters. He worked in the education department of the radiology center and oversaw all of the education with the residents, the fellows and everything like that. So he had this really unique experience in higher education and platform softwares and things like that because he ran them. (laughs) And so um, he was doing that for about two to three years while we lived there. And He just fell in love with it and he was so kind. So everyone is just going to be like, oh, Derek. And I mean, he is that person. So you should because he puts up with me. (laughs) So trust me when I say he's a saint. But um, yeah, so we're in Dallas and my clientele is just going really, really well. I'm now having the schedule of my dreams. We love the house we live in. And all of a sudden I get this phone call one day and Derek is actually the one who forced me to do an Instagram. He's like, Cameron, just do an Instagram. Like, no, I don't want to be a slave to my phone. It's not. Oh, you didn't even
1: have a profile. No, girl.
0: No, I didn't. I built my entire clientele, even New York and L.A. word of mouth. And so I'm like, no, I don't want I don't want to be on my phone. I want I never want to lose sight and touch with people. And so I was kind of against it. And even though I loved using it myself as a person, I didn't want my in my career to be shaped by it. And so and I never wanted to lose sight of my craft. That was my take. So I did it anyway. So because he's, I was like, you're right. We're in the 21st century. Your online presence is so important. I can't believe that I haven't, you know, made this a higher priority before now. So I start and I have 80 followers and I get this call and I'm for sure thinking it's a joke. And it's this gentleman in Santa Monica, California. And he says, hi, I came across your profile and I would like to interview you. And I'm like okay but like I was all okay um I didn't apply and you know blah 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 and he goes um he's like no I know I I came across your profile and I would just like to know if you'd be interested in applying and I said uh sure let me look at my schedule so I had to validate him right and I was like who is this guy and who's calling and like this is a joke Well, he was the it's the exclusive salon of L.A. Fashion Week. Mr. David Abrams, one of my incredible mentors in this industry. And um, he said, come out and interview. We would love to get to know you. And I'm like, what? And at that
1: point, L.A. wasn't even on the radar.
0: Girl, like I had a bucket list in my mind and I am close. I, I only have one more to knock off for my hair career, which I will at some point. But. I always just knew. I didn't know what I wanted to do in the industry. And so I was willing to experience everything because um, I knew I loved people. I knew I loved color. I knew I could do it. Right. I had established this confidence in my skill that but I just wanted to know what I wanted to do. What was the end game? and so I'm like maybe I want to be a celebrity stylist maybe that's it right maybe the dream of every hairstylist yeah, yeah. Right? starting out I mean we all consider oh yeah it for sure I mean if it doesn't cross your mind you're just lying mm-hmm. like you know and the thing is I was like okay I want to work in LA and I want to work in New York so what was actually more interesting about and that wait
1: first question yeah. had you
0: been to either place before LA or no, New York no no no, no
1: <laughs> I had not no I had not you just said watch Sex in the City and yeah oh yeah
0: like I knew I wanted to go because if you guys can probably Tell I like a good challenge, and so um, you'll see me come out in my in my best colors when I'm up against the hardest challenges. And so, um, LA and New York were that. Like I knew if I could make it in those cities, then mm-hmm. I would be. I knew I could say I was a stylist in my mind. It, that that is not the case, everyone. So please let me make that clear. That was my own personal goals. Mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. I'm going to challenge myself to at least work in those cities. It didn't have to be a specific way. It just that was my goal, right? So, no, I had never been to any of those cities at that point. So, uh, where are we at now? So, you go to interview. Yeah. You, you fly out to L.A. Oh, yeah, but we got to throw in a little a little kink in here because I was torn tremendously at this point in my career. So... Honestly, this was a point in my career where it was everything was feeling right. Everything was lining up. I definitely had felt my stride. It, it was I was feeling myself a little better, right? Like I, I feeling knew myself. Yeah, I feeling girl. Myself. I did. I did. I was Beyonce fans <laughs> out yeah, there? Yeah, baby. I'm telling you, and I was. And so I I was confident enough. If I didn't know, I had the skills to learn. So. And I liked being around people who were better than me. I've always, always strived to find... because you're smart. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'm telling you, I've learned so much from incredibly talented people of all walks of life just by shutting my gosh darn mouth and listening. Because I'm telling you, wisdom is everywhere if we just will listen. And um, so I always did that. I always looked for ways to make myself very nervous because if I wasn't nervous, it's boring. And I went to a Ted Gibson... um, Education class. And I was like, Oh yeah, I I gotta check out Ted. Like, if I'm gonna do New York fashion show ever, I gotta get on his radar and all this stuff. And just so happens the gentleman I told you about, Raymond Stark and Ted Gibson were very, very good friends. And it was in Dallas, Texas. And as I get there, Ted's beautiful husband looks at me and I have this Merlot MAC lipstick on. And he goes, You are simply stunning. And I was like, Thank you. And I know he was talking about my lipstick. And I was like, Thank you. And he goes, thank you. I was like, okay. And then Ted was right there and I was just smitten because I love Ted's work. And so I'm in the class. And by the end of this class, they had offered me a position in New York. They said, you should apply. And we would love to talk to you. And his manager was there. His two directors for his education team were there and they were coming in and they're like, we would love to talk to you about balayage. Balayage is my specialty. And I was like, oh, okay. So I get back. And at this point now I have the coast to coast opportunity at the same time. Wow. So I have the interview in Santa Monica in tandem of New York. And that came back to a gut check with family and husband at that point because we're from the West Coast. So it was mm-hmm. like, OK, you know, we've been four states away for a while. We haven't really been back. What are we thinking? You know, like, what are we wanting to do? What do we want this to look like? And um, we were also missing mountains and lakes. We're very much outdoorsy people. So we're like. New York that's more kind of the concrete jungle LA at least we're on the west co- all right Santa Monica so um, so did you turn down New York at mm-hmm, that point mm-hmm, completely completely okay mm-hmm. yep I did and then lo and behold um, a month later it was surprise and the salon shut down in LA in New York oh in New York yeah he <gasps> had a surprise that no one knew was coming and he relocated to LA and he actually is good friends with the owners that I ended up at. Oh wow! Uh-huh. No, and it had no idea. Now and only, only now is it, seems even public? If you had moved out there. Oh, oh my goodness! Oh my gosh! And could you imagine? Because Derek wanted nothing to do with New York, so he'd be like. Bitch, like what is this? No, <laughs> and so no, it was I just... can't picture Derek saying that. No, we legit way. talk that way. Like I swear, <laughs> if you oh, ever bitch, like, what
1: is yeah. this? No, seriously, I'm like, I'm
0: like, bitch, shut up. And like, no. and it's like that is how we talk to each other in like the most loving way. But literally, if you ever at our house and you hear that is how we talk. So it's it is from the kindest place in our hearts. But so here we are. I'm in Dallas. I'm like, well, let's do this. Like if I'm gonna take my career to the next level, it's time and. So I'm like, I'm not really sure what this will look like, but I'm going to go for it. So just go out to L.A. just out of nowhere. Just so nervous. Like, let me tell you right now, you want to know like a career growing moment. This is it because I'm coming to a city I've never been. I am playing in the major leagues of our industry. And I promise you, there's not one stylist who isn't incredibly talented at this company. And Mm -hmm. at this point, they have five salons. I have I when I set up this interview, I said to them, I was like, Okay, do you guys want me to do a working interview for you or, you know, how is this going to go? And mind you, I don't even know. I'm mm-hmm. I'm trying to get as much information as I can to be prepared because I don't know what to expect at this level. I've never I've never interviewed at this level. So like, "No, no, just come out. We need to make sure you fit with our team." And I'm like, "Okay, but I my color, you know, I'm freaking out cuz I'm a colorist. So it's like if I don't have people set up, I don't know what I'm coloring." Mm. And You can't just bring scissors and make it work like you can, but what's the undertone of the color line? What color line do they use? Like, yeah, it's, it's in, it's incredibly nerve wracking. And then you don't know the client. So then what if they have undertones or what if they have a box dye? What if they have henna? Like you don't know. So I was like, I guess I'm going to spend two grand to go out there and interview and not do a working model, but okay. Like if this is the process, let's go. So I go out and I meet with three of them and they were absolutely wonderful. And they're like, well, we absolutely love you. Now we just need to see your work. We need to see five different looks. And I'm <sighs> like, guys, I leave at 8 a.m. tomorrow. This interview is at like 1130 in the morning, maybe 130 even, to be honest. And he's like, yeah, we understand. Like, But we just wanted to make sure that you were a good fit for us. You know, like this is a family here. And if the personalities don't fit, then and I was like, I respect that, but I don't know how I'm gonna deliver that. Like, that's my only problem. And I was like, all right, give me a second, let me figure this out. I don't know anyone here, so just give me a second, you know. So I look at my mom, and she had flown down, but she had just gotten her hair done, so she was last case scenario, right? Like, if I had to, I would do it, but that goes against the integrity of the hair. Like, messing with, you know, when it's unnecessary, don't mess with it. So in my philosophy. So, we go to this restaurant on the water, and I'm a water person, so it's like, okay, breathe, Cameron, just if it doesn't work, it doesn't like just, it's going to be okay. So I see these two girls at the restaurant and I walk up and I'm that creeper. That's like, Hey, I need your head for my dream job interview. Here's my work. Please scroll through. I promise I won't screw up your hair. And one girl was like, Oh my gosh, that's so awesome. They're from Australia. And she's like, that's so awesome. But I just got my hair done. I was like, Oh, it's okay. I totally understand. No problem. Well, her friend's like, I'll do it. And I was like, sweet. Thank you so much. So now, like, and by the way, do you have four friends? Yeah. I'm like, mm-hmm. uh, and she's like, yeah, we're here on vacation. I'm like, yeah, girl, you're about to get your hair done in L.A. for free. Cool. like, And I'm not even from here. But So then we go to, um, so then I send out this SOS text. Does anyone in this area know someone? And sure enough, oh, my gosh, this story I have to tell because it is hilarious. And every hairstylist in the world is going to cringe as I tell this story. So let me set the stage for you a little bit. This is in Santa Monica, California, on Montana Avenue. So, this is like the Rodeo Drive of Santa Monica, okay? Beautiful salon, but it is LA, so the space is very, very limited. Your elbow room only, okay? Super intimidating as it is full. Everyone is working and you're interviewing, and every word you say is heard, right? Like, Mm -hmm. it's that kind of scenario. So we get there and I'm waiting for the first one who was not the Aussie from the restaurant. Right. And I'm like, where is this girl? This is right after the restaurant. Right after. I mean, let's say if I'm there from 1230 to 130, I head over by 330 and legit. I have no color. I have to use their color. okay? And so my mom's like, do you think I could go with you? And I'm like, "I'm, I'm pretty sure that's fine. Not anticipating how small, you know, like my poor mom literally just had to sit in this small waiting room as <laughs> people are walking by her, but she enjoyed every second. Well, anyways, we get to, uh, we get to the, like my time to get going and they're like, where's your client? And I'm like, I don't know. She was an hour and a half late. She oh. walks in. Are you ready? Okay. I don't know this girl. She just was, it was just an SOS test so for an hour and a half. You're sitting, I'm there, sitting there, there waiting. hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yep. Yeah. And she gets there. Ready? Ready, hairstylist? You ready? OK, so she is about the size of my arm. So that tells you uh, pretty small. It's pretty gosh darn small, guys. So we are in L.A. So everything that you are assuming is is accurate. Um, her roots were solid black. Her mid shaft was orange and her ends were platinum and broken. No. She had cut her bangs. What? Uh huh. And her cut she asked for was a mushroom cut. And I looked at her and I said, no. <laughs> I was all, no. And I said, sweetheart. And she goes, and I have to be out of here in an hour because I have to get to um, Soho. And I'm like, no. no. <laughs> like, And so I was like, what? the fuck I was like (laughs) no so sure enough she was so sweet though So honestly so sweet she did ask my mom to go get her a pack of cigarettes though so that's the token right there okay but as I'm working through her I have to go through all three people so the second owner who I did not interview with so he's meeting me for the first time and he is brilliant but he is wickedly like pierced like he'll pierce you with his words without meaning to he's very direct to the point no fluff Like, But once you get to know him, he's the biggest teddy bear. But brilliant man. Um, His name is Jason Lara. Absolutely brilliant. Then there is Lauren, who is their director of color. And then there is Melanie, who is their director of cutting. And so literally all three of them came through, saw my client, and said, okay, begin. And that's it, (laughs) okay? So I'm like, oh, no brother. They weren't like, what are you thinking about doing? Oh, wait, wait for for this. this. Oh, you're going to die. You're going to die. So then I get a text from the Aussie. She's an hour and a half early. So now I have two clients side by side at the same time with a color correction. And I have no idea what I'm doing on this one with staying in the parameters of trying to deliver five different looks within these two heads because I have to hit enough of the marks of balia, shortcut, long cut, you know, all of these different components that they're asking for with the canvases that are in front of me. Okay, so. I finished up the first one. And like I said, I am fast. So I got her done in an hour and I wasn't able to like, you know, do full color correction. I did a full highlight, shadowed her out, toned her down and so forth. And, um, but the scary part for me through that process was, is I didn't know the color line. So I didn't know. What color line was it? It was L'Oreal. And so, um, they are a L'Oreal certified salon and, um, they're an incredible salon and it's a great line, but I hadn't used it. I'm versed in seven other color lines, but not L'Oreal. So it was like like is this a neutral is this a natural are you like googling no not at all i have no time i have two clients and i have to bleach them and this one has porous ends so at any point in time that can melt off and so then i'm like okay so what's going to happen to these porous ends with an undertone i'm unaware of is it a blue base green base Mm -hmm. what's going to pull so i'm like you know going to pee my pants as I'm doing this, but then I have a balayage over here. Okay. So let's fast forward. So I get to the end of the interesting mushroom cut one. Okay. And I ended up doing her hair. Now bring back the, the three people. Why did you cut this angle this way? Why does this lay this way? Why did you choose this? Why did you lay this placement here? Why does this angle here? Why doesn't this connect here? That's just the cutting director. And I'm like, I don't know <laughs> <laughs> Cause, right because you can do it you just can't no. explain it same uh, no, as teaching, no. Right? actually no she's asking so I can answer it's but every question took me a little bit less confident in my answers like I was answering her and it was legit that was why I did what I did but it doesn't like it didn't feel good like nothing felt right coming out of my mouth I felt like I was failing every time I opened my mouth oh, man. and then the next one same thing with color okay get to the end we're done with the Aussie and the Aussie looks at me when she leaves and she's like holy shit she's like is this what every interview is like I was like girl it's no joke in this industry and she's like that was the most intense thing I think I have ever witnessed and I was like (laughs) yeah I'm sweating profusely under here (laughs) she's like I am too and I was like I know and so I finish her up and we get to the end and all they say to me is it was a pleasure to meet you have a good night that was it. That's it. That's it. There was nothing else. Just have a good night. Three and weeks so past. so you're so intimidated. You can't even. No. No. I just want out now. I'm done. Like I feel like I have survived and I'm done. I need to be free. I need and to be really safe. glad you had your mom there. Oh my <laughs> gosh. And so I take the Aussie back to her hotel because now we're homies. Right. Of course. And you know mom's there and she's like asking me all these questions and I'm like I. Uh, you know like I don't know. I, I just I don't know. I simply can't process this day. Fast forward again. I don't hear anything for three weeks. And I'm like, well, (laughs) that tells me everything. And sure enough, David calls and he says, I'm so sorry that it's taken me this long to get back to you. He's like, we've been so busy with fashion week, imagine that. And he goes, "Um, we would love to have you on our team anytime and you have any any opportunity of our locations. So feel free to let us know where you'd like to work. And so I had the pick and the date to go whenever I wanted. Wow. Wow. And so I chose March. <laughs> yep. Yep. And then I went out to L.A. And to wrap up, that is I was very confused in L.A. when I got out there. So. Um, in, well, what a big step, because yeah. you're not just moving yourself out there. You're moving your husband, your two
1: kids. Yeah. I mean, and this is where I need to interject. Courageous. Yeah. Okay. And
0: interject like how precious he is. He quit his job to stay home with the kids because I simply would not know my schedule. And he's like, you've wanted to do this and chase this for so long, Cameron. He's like, there's no reason for you to worry about our babes. Like, I can do what I want to do here. And, you know, I'll just take this for, and he did he, for two years. He he stayed home to be with the baby so that I mm. could figure out what I wanted to do. Because in L.A. I was um, approached with so many opportunities yeah. that I was so confused what I wanted and to how do. And how
1: old were your kids at that point? Hmm, seven, eight, eight,
0: nine. Wow. Well, yeah, so seven, that's eight, I mean, you're mm-hmm. having to navigate getting them in new schools, figuring everything. out and wow. everything. Wow. Yeah. So we get to new, we get to LA, loving it, and you know, at that point I had arranged to go back to Dallas every 6 weeks and uh, maintain my clientele. I was able to maintain 75 people every 6 weeks when I'd go back and um rotated through a couple assistants throughout that time pr- time frame, but as I came back to LA, which this is an interesting part of my journey. Um they had put me at a salon that I didn't want to be at. They said, Would you please try working at this location for us? And in- so
1: they're like, You have your pick of salons, uh-huh. but hey, I chose could you Montana help us out? <laughs> and they
0: asked me to go to second. And um, I was like, Yeah, I'll go. I mean, you know, it's fine. And yeah, no, second street is one street from the ocean, if you guys aren't familiar with Santa Monica. So, legitimately, like, yeah, second street is the only street in from the ocean besides the one on so Pacific Highway, (laughs) like that's it. So I was like, yeah, I'll work on Second Street, no problem. And it was great, but it just, I was a veteran among a lot of rookies and Mm. um, they were great stylists, but I was looking to be among veterans myself. Like I wanted to kind of soak up that knowledge and I didn't feel like I was getting that there and I actually quit. And so I moved out there (laughs) and I quit and I quit because it just didn't feel right for me. And I'm like, well, I'm going to figure something else out. And within about 30 minutes of finding out that I quit because the owners had these managers who oversaw these other ones. And so I quit with my direct manager and he was very kind. You know, they were so sweet. It was not because of them. It was just, it didn't feel right for me. And cause they were the first commission salon that I felt like home. Like they mm-hmm. were the best company. And, um, so they're like, Cam, what's the deal? And we don't want you to leave. And I was like, Guys, I'm not trying to have you. But remember, I had a really sour taste in my mouth about commission. I'm coming back into commission. You know, I'm really not sure what I want. And the best thing that happened was in this time frame for me to decide my career. And it's so funny that it was the latter part of my career as a veteran that really solidified like, no, I know what I'm doing now. And but it took 11 years. It didn't it didn't happen overnight. So Um, at that point they call me into the office. They're like, please tell us why you're wanting to leave. And I was like, honestly, it's no other reason than I just got to figure this out. And they're like, please let us know what we can do to accommodate you. We want you on our company. Please let us know. And I was like, okay, well, I want to take the summer off and play with my babies in LA. And they were like, okay, we'll see you when you come back. So I took the summer off and came back and worked with them and so forth. And it was wonderful. But in that time that I was away, I um, went to another hairstylist and he became essentially kind of like a mentor advisor for me. His name's Dom Dom Dominic, um, incredible hairstylist at Chris McMillan Salon in Beverly Hills. And he um, said one thing to me and it helped me from there out. And he said, I didn't want to be considered a stylist, right? Like I wanted to be a client for once in my life. And I said, yeah, you know, I'm looking for this, this. He's like, you're a stylist. I was like, I am. (laughs) And he's like, he's all, okay. And I just told him, he's like, let me just warn you. This city can be wicked. He's like, I've lived here a very long time. And he's like, no. He's like, what do you love to do? Do that. And that one sentence resonated so deeply with me that it made me ask myself every time I was approached with a job because I was being approached with jobs from um, the actors, actors, um, guild and all of these things down there and um to work on photo shoots and all of these different things so i thought it was what i wanted right like this is the idea of this industry in this city and i had found that i had never felt more soulless or lifeless and not because of the city but because i wasn't connecting to the people i wasn't i didn't have the relationships with these this clientele like i did in dallas or Mm -hmm. in northern california so um, that question really resonated deeply. And at that point, he connected me to New York because I had a demand of clientele out there asking me to come. And he connected me with Mark Garrison Salon in Manhattan. And that is how I made my way out to New York is Dom recommended me out to a salon, I had clients waiting for me to come, and I booked it. And that's how it started. And wow. then I started circulating.
1: Wow, what a journey. What a journey. All from Red Bluff's California.
0: Yeah. I
1: love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I feel yeah, like Yeah, dude, of course. It gives a lot of framework for yeah. when we think about the founder, the creator of Freebird. Right? Yeah. Even just that name now it makes so much more sense. Mm-hmm. You truly are the epitome of a Freebird. Yeah. I love it. And I love your journey. Thank you. Um, so I know we're getting short on time. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we could talk forever. Oh gosh, of course, yes. So, um, but quickly tell us. Okay, so going from all of that journey as a hairstylist, mm-hmm. the different um, locations, the different business models, the different stages in your career, mm-hmm. how did the
0: idea for
1: Freebird come about?
0: Yeah, Freebird was um, definitely a brainchild of the last thirteen years of Derek and I. Well, fourteen years, Derek and I together, and. Um, our passion for the people who are making the world a more beautiful place really stemmed from watching the pains that were unnecessary in our minds. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, on experiencing some of them yourself, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can hear how I choose to live my career and my life. So um, I've experienced a lot. And so I've seen a lot of unnecessary pains and hopping in Ubers that are other beauty pros it was just very disheartening for me and i just thought there had to be a better way and help these pros be more discovered you know more easily discovered for what they do and so freebird was essentially um, started from the idea of helping pros be more discoverable and that's how it started and literally from taking everything that i've done for the last 11 years and customizing it into um, what's worked with people and then combining the tech component and how they should marry together um has been very beneficial for our pros with having an online presence and being able to be discovered. Like, that's the other part so, is who you are.
1: Who was the first? So when you say, because you want to help other beauty pros, and mm-hmm. it really came from wanting to help other mm-hmm. people. So who was the first beauty pro that you thought, gosh, I just wish I had a way to help her
0: or him? That's funny. Um, The very first was some random person on Instagram. I was scrolling through one night, and she was very talented. I mean, the picture of her balayage the placement i mean i geek out on balayage so it was like oh my gosh she's so talented and then i had really been frustrated with this idea that a number um you know validated your experience or gave you credibility as a professional was this number and oh, followers, followers and yeah, likes mm-hmm. yeah and watching professionals who truly loved the industry but never really picked up the tech part be pushed to the wayside and not validated because of that. It really, it, it irked me more than I can tell you. It actually pissed me off to a point where when I saw that photo um, I had to know how many followers she had and she had literally 115 or something like that. And I didn't even know her, but it was like, She is so talented and she just wants to focus on what she loves to do. But there's nothing out there nor education to help support her from trade school beauty to real world application and all of the different career opportunities that live within it. And that's something with my very diverse career pattern has or, you know, path has been that there are so many opportunities. And my goal was with Freebird was just to let people decide for themselves. I didn't want them mm-hmm. to be limited. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, yes, I may be bold enough to take the leap and make really interesting choices. And, <laughs> you know, I'm cool. I love
1: that. That's a great way to put it. Really interesting. Yes.
0: But in those who maybe need a little bit more um, guidance or security in their decision I I don't want anyone to be limited so I just wanted them to be free to create their life unique to them like I have created my life unique to me I love that I love that so
1: now what does it look like for you are you still doing hair are you CEO full-time what's that look like
0: yeah so the last 12 weeks I have shifted gears and I have hung up my shears and I am a CEO full-time now Woohoo! congratulations yes yes thank you
1: (laughs) it's a interesting shift for sure and so for all of us coming from the beauty industry, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think everyone has kind of this different vision of what being a CEO means. Mm-hmm. What does being a CEO mean to you?
0: Oh, hmm. CEO doesn't really mean much to me. Um, being the founder of Freebird it is much more um, appropriate for me. The CEO part is just operational, What I, the mm-hmm. tasks that I carry out. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and how I interact in my company and the things that my team needs me to do. That's what that title really, um, covers in my opinion, but we're a family. And so um, we're the founding team, we're the founding members and mm-hmm. that resonates for me. so to to paint that picture though, I do a lot of admin ad administration that I would have never done. I was gonna say because when you say you're a hairstylist, yeah. we all know what you're doing. Every oh yeah day, but no when let you're oh yeah tell us yeah girl I see what you're saying here I get you. Last two years I've um, I've really dedicated myself. i like to master what I do so um, for the last two years I've dedicated myself to tech. And I've learned everything about it from how to build websites. So, a lot of the sites I'm jumping on and assisting Derek and Van. And um, I've learned a lot of business acumen because I had to, because I've pitched in San Francisco in front of Silicon Valley. Like, I can't even tell you how intimidating that was as a trade stylist who has no traditional education to rally with these gentlemen who have been in this game a very, very long time and as a female. So, I'm doing a lot of admin stuff, a lot of paperwork. Um, a lot of management, a lot of um, those things. So mm-hmm. and, it is certainly a lot.
1: And a lot of relationship building, it mm-hmm. sounds like, meeting different people, making mm-hmm. connections, really representing the brand. That's what I see you doing a lot when we're talking. So. Yeah,
0: and I mean, I'm the visionary of it. So meaning... Freebird started from an idea. went beautiful mind status one night, rolled out paper along my beautiful living room wall. I'm so serious. Like, this is no, like, exaggeration. You know how he used to write on the window with his marker? Mm-hmm. Okay. Derek walks in to our living room. and He's in our other living room. <laughs> okay. He walks in. He's like, what are you doing? And I'm rolling out white paper. And I have headphones. I have my headphones that I have on right now. And I am building Freebird, the very, very first concept of Freebird, and I still have those papers today. Oh, I love mm-hmm. that. Yeah, so it's it's definitely different. It is not the same. Um, and the to be honest, the only way I've been able to make this transition not incredibly difficult is I more I I still go through mourning. I really do. Um, I can't talk to professionals without putting my hair hat on first, like. I want to so badly jump into their formulations and hear their whys of why they chose that. And, and when you say you're going through mourning, mm, you mean mourning the loss of... Of my career. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, for 11 years, my identity was in... I introduced myself as... My name is Cameron Bannister. I am a traveling hairstylist. Because like, that just was what it was forever, forever. And then only in 12 weeks have I had to redefine who I am as a person, mm-hmm. re-identify mm-hmm and be okay with that and know that growth doesn't change um, my credibility in the industry. That was all, you know, you can hear that's been a concern of mine because I don't feel like I deserve to be where I'm at. I don't, you know, like it's just the truth. Like I did my clients and I made it for my family.
1: You do deserve to be where you are, Cameron. You're sweet. Do you remember what was the, do you remember the first time you introduced yourself as
0: a CEO? Yeah, I do. I fumbled a, a lot. Tell
1: us, tell us. When was the very first time you're like, okay, I'm no longer introducing myself as?
0: It actually I'm wasn't that long Cameron, ago. I'm a traveling hairstylist. Um, honestly, it wasn't that long ago because it still was my identifier to, and also my my validation as the CEO of a beauty company, right? And Um, So I never really wanted to let go of it. And I still don't. It really is hard for me to leave that because that's such a big part of who I am and all of those people who are a part of me. They're my family. And so uh, the first time was actually just recently at an EDON, um, which is the Economic Development Authority of Western Nevada. For those of you who are not local, um, they're really great. They help uh, startups and everything like that try to get uh, a good jump in business here. And um, it was a great turnout. And that night I had to, it was my first night actually coming to the surface as a CEO, meaning Freebird's been underground for two years. We've been working on how to best serve our pros. And we started out as an app and then we've migrated into what we are today. And um, to introduce myself as that was kind of weird because if you guys think of my journey, it was just a thought. And now I'm Identifying with that thought, and so mm-hmm. that was two weeks ago at a startup event, and I introduced myself as, "My name is Cameron Bannister. I'm the founder of Freebird." Oh, I love that. Yeah, so uh, you won't you won't hear me say CEO too often unless I it's necessary for where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just our way of always keeping the team mentality. Like, yeah, we don't want it to be a hierarchy. Freebird is nothing but. Just a safe place to be who you are. And we're just Mm -hmm. here to help you elevate what you want to be in this lifetime.
1: Yeah. Well, and how interesting to see you go from being hair, you know, hairstylist Cameron Bannister to founder and CEO Cameron Bannister. And I think, you know, so many times I I have these conversations with our fellow artists on our team um, because there's so many times where we have to transition in our lives. Right. Yeah. And it's so important, I think, for us as artists to not find our identity through what we do. Agreed. You know, you're more than a hairstylist, you're more than a CEO, because yeah. if tomorrow I got in a car accident and, you know, lost the use of yeah. my arms, I couldn't do makeup. But that wouldn't mean that I'm less than. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I I, have to draw my identity from something else. So I always think it's so. Yeah. Just awesome to talk with someone
0: about who's going through these yeah. different identity changes. And I think it's one of the most important things that gets overlooked by society is You know, we're really forced to ask what we want to do, but who we are is essentially what we need to find. And Mm -hmm. we have to because it just it is applied into what we choose to do, not who we are. Like you said, you know, but it didn't I didn't even realize I needed to look at it that way until I was forced to. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I love that you talk to pros about it now because it's knowledge. It's helping them understand like You very well could wake up soon and it not look this way. I promise you the only reason, honestly, like full disclosure, truth is I was suffering back issues. And that is the only reason I did not go back. And it was not because of Freebird. It was not because of busy, because I would have just made it work. It was I couldn't sit in the airport long enough to get on the flight. Mm-hmm. And that was twelve weeks ago. And it was at that point. And I'm the sole breadwinner. So like this isn't an easy choice. And just so all of you out there know, startups are not, you know, great money generators. They're not glamorous. <laughs> no, we call it startup starvation for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> but the reason we say that is because, um, I promise you I don't know the outcome of Freebird. And I don't know if we'll be successful or not. I don't know any of that. But what I do know is it's already a success to me because of the pros I've had the privilege to work with. Mm. And the fact that I hear pros get excited and chase their passion, it matters not to me what success is defined by other than that. And that's when I was able to accept my new title was I was still able to translate who I was to the world and communicate that in the most authentic way and free bird is the most authentic way for me to communicate who I am to the world because I am simply just a free bird. And mm-hmm. I just want everyone to be a free bird, no matter what that looks like.
1: Well, I love that, Cameron. And I love you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be a part of this podcast today. Yeah. For all of you listening, um, if you have any questions, any comments, we would love to hear from you. Yeah. This has just been such an honor to spend this time with you, Cameron. And I encourage you guys to check back with us next week. I know that Cameron has some
0: exciting guests coming up. Thank yes, so yes. much, guys. All right, guys. Thank you so much, Laura. And if you guys would like to get in touch with myself or Laura, you can reach me at cam.freebird on Insta or on Facebook and please feel free to head over to freebird.io if you guys have any questions about what we can do for you as professionals in this industry I would be more than happy to help you um, and miss Laura Garcia please let them know how they can get a hold of you
1: on insta as well uh, di da underscore Laura G or you can find me on Facebook I just started a Facebook page Laura Garcia but I don't have the little handle yet because I can't figure mm-hmm. one out that's not taken. <laughs> <laughs> so either one of those, I would love to to have you guys um, follow along and um,
0: do this thing we call life together. That's right, girl. That's right. And please feel free to leave a comment or feedback. We want to know what you guys think. And mm-hmm. if there's any topics or people you think we should have on here, we would love to know. And yeah. who knows? Maybe Laura and I will co-host another guest together. <laughs> Ooh,
1: hey. Yeah. And actually, the best way to leave your feedback is to leave it in a review mm-hmm. on um iTunes or yep. wherever you listen to your podcast, because um, then it'll be directly linked to the podcast, and we can make sure and yeah um, take that. Into That's consideration a great point. For Pro future. tip, right there. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, Anchor FM or Apple. We're on everywhere, and we also have it on our IGTV at Freebird Co. So check it out over there, guys. And uh, we will be releasing this one. And I don't know if Laura knows this, but. This podcast will be released two days before my birthday. So we thought we would celebrate with you guys and release early birthday. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys, we're signing off. Have a good one.